2: it's time to get green Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are here all natural, no pesticides no artificial ingredients The organic gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All
1: right, an hour of gardening power, and it is Jessica Walliser of the Tribune Review, and obviously an award-winning author about gardening, and she travels all over the country speaking about the topic. She and Doug every week. But Doug was not here today. He's enjoying the holiday weekend. But Jess and I are plowing forward, folks. So here's what you need to do. You need to get on the phones because it's going to get real busy because it's that time of year. People thinking about what can I still plant? I know fall's a good time. What can I still plant already? the phones are ringing so call us 866-391-1020 and listen wexford of course the home of sorgles one of our great sponsors so grateful for everything they do we'll take the 10th caller right now to win an amazing 25 five dollar gift certificate by dialing 412-922-1020 here she is ladies and gentlemen the person of all of the things that i just mentioned jessica walliser good morning
3: good morning i am horticulturist jessica walliser and Good morning. Welcome to the program Pittsburgh. We're happy to have you along with us today. Hey, last chance for planting as far as the vegetable garden goes. Once we hit September, you're going to run out of you're going to run out of weeks for things to mature. But if you're ha- looking for something to do today, today is a great day to head out to the vegetable garden and plant some fall crops. I know a lot of people think, oh, we got to plant everything, you know, in spring and then it's going to mature all summer and then we're going to be you know, done by the end of the, the season, just harvesting and not planting. But right now is an excellent time to plant kale. Lettuce, radish, turnips for their greens. Um, You can plant a late crop of root crops like beets and carrots. Um, Those, you know, the ground will remain warm for many, many weeks to come. So if you plant them now, keep them well watered, put a little bit of mulch on top of them when the uh, cold starts really uh, settling in. You can be harvesting carrots and beets and other root crops through Christmas time. Um, As far as the greens crops like the kale and the lettuce, uh, get those in now either for from seed or from transplants that if you can find them at a local nursery and you'll be harvesting those as well. These are fairly cold tolerant crops. You must make sure that they stay watered until they're established. But even if you don't have a vegetable garden, go out and get yourself a nice big you know, container, fill it with good, high quality potting soil, mix a little compost in there and plant the plants in that. And you can have that little container of fresh greens on your patio for weeks to come. And the nice thing about lettuce is there it's cut and come again. You cut the greens off, have a salad, and then the plant sprouts new greens and and you can have another salad. You can do that for many, many weeks with just a few lettuce plants in a little pot. Um, The other thing to plant right now that's my favorite time to plant it is spinach. And the reason is spinach is a cold tolerant crop it will actually survive in the garden over the winter if we plant it now it then becomes the very first crop to harvest in the spring and that's when I get my best spinach if I plant spinach seeds in the spring a lot of times they bolt or go to flower when the temperature just even starts to get slightly warm in early summer but if I plant in the fall they are up and Adam and ready to go in March and early April, I'm making my first spinach harvests, So this is the time of year to get out and do that. Um, and of course, it's also an ex- exceptional time to plant trees and shrubs, September, October, the best time of all to plant trees and shrubs because we're gonna hopefully have a nice rainy fall we're going to have a cool, dormant season in the winter and then a nice, rainy, cool spring. And that is excellent for establishing trees and shrubs. And I know we're going to be talking to the Davey guys next week about that as well.
1: Your listeners are pretty smart. So I'm out at Janoski's uh, the other day doing a little video stuff and a um, bunch of rhododendrons on sale. So this wonderful lady with the help of Ben Zuppi, who handles the garden center, they're roping these things up and putting them in her compact car. She must have taken like six of them. And we were talking about fall planting and she said that date is September 15th. Now we know as far as the last frost may 15th but is there truth to the fact that you're pretty good to go as far as the cool weather and you know be able to plant a lot of everything after september 15th does that make sense to yeah,
3: you yeah and i even say september 1st really because especially when it comes to trees and shrubs. um you know, usually September is a time when uh, rain starts to pick up a little bit. The air temperatures start to drop a little bit, but the soil is still warm. And that's really the key to, f- to fall planting is you have those cooler air temperatures. So the the water's not evaporating so quickly out of the soil. Okay, And then you also have warm soil and that warm soil stimulates root growth, which is exactly what you want. When you plant a new tree or shrub, you want root growth to happen first. When we plant in the spring, we're having a little bit of root growth, but it's also warm temperatures, so we're also having shoot growth, and sometimes the, the roots can't keep up, right? Because you, you you just planted it, so you don't have a nice established root system. So mm-hmm. that's why fall planting with this nice, warm soil is really, really the best way to go. It's it you, you do still have to make sure that you water, though, because a lot of times rainfall isn't enough. You still have to water, and you have to keep that newly planted plant watered. All winter long, if the ground is not frozen and we haven't had precipitation, even in January or February, you have to water those new plantings.
1: So, what are all of these sponsors? Now, I mean, I'm out at Janoski's a lot, and you know, you're doing things at uh, out of Sorgles, and you know, we're, we're making the rounds. But so, why are nurseries and our sponsors now? What do they have? Obviously, getting ready for fall with the cor- the gourds, the corn stalks, the mums. But a lot of great specials and deals right now. It
3: is true, and I, you know, I follow a lot of our local nurseries on Facebook, and so a lot of them will post when they're having, you know, 40% off perennials or 20% off trees and shrubs. So I would encourage our listeners if you're on social media to follow your favorite local nurseries. Um, on social media and check and watch when they have those deals uh, in your feed because they can really, you know, sometimes it's just a weekend where you get like 60% off for a weekend. And the only way you would know that that sale is happening is if you follow them on social media. So uh, it's, you can really get some good deals, especially this time of year. They don't want to overwinter the stock. Okay, You know, they don't want to keep those trees and shrubs. Uh, They want to make sure they sell out of all their mums because they don't want to overwinter it. Um, and so, for that reason, this time of year, you can get some really good prices.
1: Hey, congratulations to Joanne from Verona, winner of that gift certificate to Sorgles. What do you say we get a call in here before the first break? Let's uh, head out to Ohio Township and say hello to Eleanor on the air with Jessica Wallace, of the organic gardeners. Hey, Eleanor, how are you?
3: Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? We're very well. What's on your mind this morning? Well, I want to thank you folks for all you do, first of But um, I I got my first
4: orchid, I can't remember, sometime this year, but a good while ago. And it's been doing wonderfully and reproducing new blooms and that sort of thing. But now it's no longer reproducing new blooms, and uh, there are only three or four blooms left. Okay. And it goes into hibernation, doesn't it? Yes. That's not the right word, but
3: well, Yeah, dormancy. But
4: dormancy. That's the right word. But actually, so how do I care for it at this point.
3: Yeah. So there's a little cheat that you can do with orchids, especially a little what? A little cheat. You can cheat, and you can huh? sometimes get another set of blooms out of them. And let me tell you how to do this. It's pretty cool. So if it's a phalaenopsis orchid, which are the ones that they, you know, they sell them at the grocery store, and they look sort of but, like a moth, the blooms that what kind it is? Do you know? Uh, I'm not looking at it right okay. now, but it's the kind that they're called ice orchids. Yes. Okay. So that's a phalaenopsis. Yep. So what you want to do is you want to follow that when when all the flowers fall off of that flowering stem, follow yep. the stem back from the tip. Right? And if you follow it back, you'll see along the side of the stems, below the lowermost flower. So the lowest flower, keep following down, following down. You will see sort of a little inverted V on the side of the stem. And you want to follow down till the second one of those. So those are nodes. Those are Wait a minute, I'm writing it down. <laughs> okay. So so those are nodes and uh-huh. those little inverted V's are a chance for another set of flower buds. So you wanna cut that flower stalk down to the second node, the second one of those little inverted Vs. And a lot of times you will get another uh, flower bud stem come out of that node. Now I would give it maybe two, three months to see if you get a secondary flower stem. If you don't, then you wanna cut the entire stem all the way back down to the base of the plant. And the plant is just going to All you have to do all winter long Is just water it That's it Um, and then in the spring, you can move it back outside somewhere in a shady condition and start to fertilize it through the summer, and you're going to want to fertilize it with a liquid organic fertilizer about once a week all summer long, and then that will hopefully build up enough strength in the plant to bloom again for the following year.
1: All right, Jessica and I would love to hear from you. We've got lots of lines available, so it's wide open today, topic of conversation on the organic gardeners, 866-391-1020. Doug, enjoying the holiday weekend off. Jessica, coming back for more of your phone calls next you can also reach us at dollar bank
2: instant kdk doug and jessica teach you how to keep it green the organic gardeners are on kdka radio
1: all right let's uh, get right back to work on the phone lines and next stop uh, is uh, west alexander and here is uh, janet for jessica oh nancy rather for my my we were talking about your son's contacts i can't see anything <laughs> all right nancy what, what's on your mind today good morning welcome to kdk radio
4: as this little bag hanging on them they come down like at a point and now they're on my pussy willow bush is there anything that
3: I could spray on then uh, to save the trees? Yeah, this is a great question, Nancy. Bagworms have been really bad this year for some reason. Um, and uh, we have them on our arbovita in the backyard as well. Um, just for our listeners who who uh, have not experienced bagworms before, you described them really perfectly, which is sort of like a tapered end. Um, it's a little bag. It's made of the material that the, the shrub is made of. So it's sort of camouflaged, but then they do get brown. And inside of that bag is a caterpillar. And right now, actually, the female caterpillars inside of those bags, the the females never mature into a moth. They actually stay a caterpillar their whole lives. And it's only the males that will fly to the female bags and they'll mate. And then inside of the female bags are hundreds of eggs, which will produce another generation of caterpillars for next year. So right now is the most critical time to get rid of any bags that you see hanging on your trees and shrubs. And really there is not, I would love to say that that you could spray it with something, but there really isn't. This particular species, because it's in that bag, is really resistant to almost every pesticide. So you're, you have to get there and actually physically pick them off of the plant. That is the best way to remove them. Um, I don't know how tall your trees and shrubs are sometimes that can be challenging but picking them off or cutting them snipping them off with a little pair of scissors and throwing them out in the garbage or burning them is the best way to get rid of them I know I wish it was an easy thing and I could just tell you to spray something but it's not going to work
1: Thank you, does everything that work take time? Does it take time?
3: <laughs> that's the thing, and you know what Rob? That's an excellent point. Like everybody always wants the quick, fast fix for things, but mm-hmm. this is nature. Mm-hmm. Nature doesn't do anything quick and fast, right? Mm-mm-mm. It's all slow and patience, and doing it the right way that's not gonna put have a negative effect on everything else that's out there in the ecosystem of the garden. so like targeting like that is really the best way. Um, to control it. And yeah, it takes time and patience. But you know what? If you know it's going to be 100% success, then why wouldn't you do that method, even if it takes a little bit of time?
1: All right, here we go. It's a Sharon in North Fayette.
0: For Jessica. And that,
3: by the way, was not a, a cut on her. That was just yeah. like speaking in general. Even for myself, I find myself sometimes wanting a quick fix for things when, when really it just requires a little bit more patience.
1: All right. Let's go to uh, Sharon in North Fayette for Jessica Wallace, Her Doug is off today at the Organic Gardeners, KDK Radio. Hi, Sharon.
3: Good
4: morning. Uh, very happy to be on your show. I'm growing pumpkins for the first time. And they're doing quite well. They're flourishing. I've got three very large pumpkins. They have turned orange. Uh, Do I prune uh, the plants back at all?
3: Um, No. I mean, if they're orange already, I would imagine you probably want to leave them on the vine as long as possible. Because are, are you going to cook with these or using them for decoration? Oh, these are Halloween pumpkins. Halloween Halloween pumpkins. pumpkins. Okay, so I would leave them on the vine as long as possible, because once you cut them from the vine, they're going to start to go bad, right? And since we're still two months away from Halloween, you want to leave them on the vine as long as possible. So just... What about pruning the vine itself, because there's a lot of foliage around them? Yeah, you don't have to. You just let it go, let it do its thing, as long as they're oranging up. You know, if you still, if you were, you know, if we were October 1st, and you had no orange on them yet then I would say prune away that foliage to let some sun reach the reach the pumpkins but we're still really early on the season and that shade from those leaves is actually going to keep them from probably turning bad before Halloween arrives. Okay, okay, great. Thank you very much. You're very welcome and congratulations on a successful pumpkin harvest. <laughs>
1: Thank you. She's proud of that.
3: I, it is. It's something to be proud of because when you think about it you plant that seed that's like the size of your thumbnail in May and you know you hope for the best and then the next thing you know the plant is like 20 feet wide with these giant pumpkins on it it's a pretty cool thing to see happen
1: it is you need some space though i yeah. think to do that
3: you do need a lot of space for pumpkins yeah or you need like some kind of fence for them to grow up or you know some kind of support for them because they take up a lot of space
1: all right let's go to uh pat in west pittsburgh up next on kdka radio how are you today pat good morning and welcome to the program
4: Thank you. I have a question for my friend Jessica. I had an invasive vine on my lilac and even on my forsythia bush, and David pulled it down when I tried to get rid of it. The stem was sticky and jaggy, and the leaf was really unusual. It it When it was big, it had uh, six points on it.
3: Hmm. That's interesting. That
4: we wondered if it could have maybe arrived with a bird seed.
3: Maybe. How vining was it, Pat? Like, was it, it was bad. long vines? It was
4: really vines? bad. I, when I first saw it, I was trying to pull it. And then I don't know how David got it out. I, I don't know if he had gloves on or not because it was very, uh, you know, it was yeah. Pointing, jaggy on the stem. The yeah. stem was about, it wasn't a real thin stem and I've never seen it before.
3: Hmm. Well, I do know a couple of plants that sort of have that feeling to them. It's almost like, like sandpaper or Velcro when you rub on the stems, right? And they stick on your clothes yeah. and all that. Um, none of them have the six, six pointed leaf though. So there's the, the, the one thing you might want to look up is a mile a minute vine And and it gets real long, you know, vines like that. And it does have sort of the bristly uh, hairs on the stem. And then another one is called bedstraw. But bedstraw is really, it's not a vine, but the the tendril, I mean, the the stems can grow quite long. But that's one that really gets stuck in your clothes as well. And that has what I might describe more of the type of leaf structure that you're talking about. Um,
4: I thought the leaf was so unusual that... You know, I don't have a computer, so I can't look it up. And I'm thinking, geez, I kept asking David. I think he would get a lot of books when we went to work at the farm show in Harrisburg. And I said, don't you have one on weeds or something?
3: <laughs> yeah. So those would be two two plants. But just from that description, there's nothing else I could think of that it could be. But that that doesn't mean that, like you said, you could have, it could have come in on a bird seed or from a, another plant that you got or just blown in on the wind. And certainly, Lord knows, we have all types of different kinds of new invasive weeds here in Pennsylvania, too. All
1: right. If you'd like to join Jessica today, give us a call. We've got some lines available. This is The Organic Gardener, Doug, enjoying the holiday weekend
2: Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green the Organic Gardeners over on KDKA Radio.
1: You know, Jessica and I are here and we're waiting for your phone call, so get on the phone. But, you know, you're still young, but you know when you get older you talk more about food and your kids. That's basically your total conversation. But, you know, my son is going into his junior year at Penn State. And, you know, Penn State Cooperative, you know, what they do and all these great things. And you, of course, are a product there and horticulturist and you've done extremely well. Talk to me about your Penn State experience and why it seems like anybody who does what you do, if they've got good career credentials that's what makes penn state so good at that
3: i mean we've the penn state has been an agricultural school from the very beginning so the ag program there is is a great program it's really changed um over the years though for sure now with uh you know biotechnology and genetics and i mean that just uh the whole breadth of the classes available there for that have really changed like they've got like urban farming majors and things like that which is is pretty amazing that didn't exist when i went there um so it's 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 neat to see, um, you know, how that changes and evolves as agriculture itself changes and evolves. Um, And I think, you know, I would like to sit down and talk with some of the younger kids that are going into college, into the field of agriculture, just to see what they are focusing on and what their um, areas of interest are, because it is so diversely different. So,
1: So what do they do? I mean, they go back to the family farm. They start their own farms, their veterinary medicine. Oh,
3: sometimes they're in a laboratory. Right, like they you know the, these are very um high tech jobs in many cases yeah. nowadays, you know, plant breeding, um you know they might go on to law school to become a plant patent attorney, you know, because nowadays you know a you plant patent. patent so you the very first plant patented um in the United States was a rose and uh you mean they w- somebody has a patent on that there's millions of, or i wouldn't say millions there's tens of thousands of plants with patents so when you go to the garden center and you see a plant in a branded pot so the pot has like a a particular name brand on it, Right. Um, check the pot tag because often the little tag in the pot will have a patent number on it. So they can pla- patent now certain plants, which prevents other people from propagating them and selling them. So what happens is when you go That's to the amazing. garden center, when you go to the garden center and you buy a patented plant, the person who discovered or bred that plant, the company that, that, uh, that are selling it, all um, get a royalty on that sale. So it's not just your local nursery that's making money. It's the person who holds the patent that's making money as well and the company that propagated that plant. And it's illegal for any for the, so for so you or anybody else to propagate that plant and sell it for money. Nobody else can make money on that plant but the person that holds the patent.
1: You know, I never, all the years that we've been doing this show and I've been going to places like Janoski's, I never knew that. So yeah. you mean to tell me, Rose has been around in many forms for a long time, but Mm -hmm. there are families still getting paid for that?
3: Oh yeah. There's a lot of but there it's not that the rose as a whole is patented. It's a specific cultivar which is a cultivated variety. So a very specific, so like look at the knockout rose, which is one of the world's most popular roses. Knockout roses are patented plants. So it is illegal for you as a homeowner or let's say somebody at the nursery that's selling knockout roses. It is illegal for them to start new plants from cuttings and then sell them for money. Now, as a homeowner, you could plant it in your own home garden and you'd be okay, but you could not sell that plant for money because it's pa- under, it's protected under that patent. What
1: type of pots do you look for? You so
3: for branded pots, which are like, you know, when you used to go into a nursery back in the 80s and early 90s, you'd walk in and all the pots would be like dark green or black nursery pots. Now you go there and you might see a pot with um, proven winners on it, or bloom and easy, or knockout roses. The, they've actually got the name branded. on the pot. It's branding, right? So they have all, millions of marketing dollars behind marketing these plants like Endless Summer Hydrangea, which is a a very popular uh, line of hydrangeas. They're all patented. They're all branded. They put millions of dollars into marketing these plants. This is like why everybody knows a knockout rose, right? Because that company invested millions of dollars in getting that name out there and they hold the patent. So every time You go to your local nursery and you buy a knockout rose. The person that discovered or bred that plant makes some money.
1: So are there people right now at MIT or some think tank somewhere trying to come up with a new version of something and and they're doing it because they love it, but they're also thinking, man, maybe just like Apple, I'll find the next big thing.
3: 100%. And it's not necessarily just at MIT, like places like right. that. It's at botanical gardens, it's at a plant breeder facilities. Like there are people who've, you know, this is their life. They breed plants, they look for better plants with more disease resistant, different colored flowers, better bloom production, um, some positive trait, a different growth form, right? Variegated foliage. So they are always on the prowl looking for these, um, you know, natural hybrids or forcing hybridization right so they're cross pollinating in order to come up with the next best thing and when they can find the next best thing they can get a patent on it and they can make a lot of money so let's say you have you're a backyard gardener and you're growing balloon flower in your back back garden which is a common perennial and that plant sets seed and you have 20 new baby plants that come up because your plant sets seed and one of those plants come up and instead of being blue flowered it's Hot pink, Right. So it was a natural genetic mutation. It happens all the time in the plant world, but there's no hot pink balloon flowers on the market. So if you knew what you were doing, you could say, I've got a really funky thing here. I'm going to contact a plant propagation facility and breeder and they, they can actually help you get the patent on that plant. They make a little money on it. You make a little money on it. And then the plant, if it's good enough, could get released to the general public. So sometimes it happens with a natural random mutation like that. Sometimes it happens because it's a plant breeder making that cross, uh, you know, all kinds of reasons. But those plants then are are propagated um Vegetatively, so they'll always be the same. It's like a clone of the parent plant. So,
1: but in a lot of cases, too. And this is
3: not genetic engineering, by the way. There's nothing. There's no, no funky Frankenstein science here. This is classic plant breeding or natural mutations that just naturally. But sometimes
1: happen. does Mother Nature just keep the secret, and no matter how much people try, they'll never be able to duplicate what that one moment in time.
3: Well, exactly, and that's why vegetative propagation is key. Because if you have that hot pink balloon flower, that was a one in a million freak mutation that happened. And the only way you're going to pass that pink flowering trait onto the next generation of plants is to reproduce it by cutting, taking a leaf cutting or stem cutting or dividing that mother plant. That's the only way you'll keep those exact same genetics in that plant is through vegetative propagation. So like the knockout rose, the only way they're, they're not saving seeds from a knockout rose. They're taking cuttings and that's how they're reproducing that plant. Sometimes they do it in a laboratory. They do it via tissue culture. Right? So they're pre- they're propagating like those ice orchids that that lady brought up at our first call when she mm-hmm. talked about getting an orchid to re- bloom Those are propagated via tissue culture, which is in a laboratory, where they take a few cells, they grow out those cells, the cells divide, then they grow into a full orchid. And they do it almost exclusively in a lab until they're little plantlets that then they can then move into the greenhouse. It's
1: amazing. All right, 866-391-1020. All of our lines are open. One more segment with Jessica and then Joan Frank and T.C. Coons Cooking our Tenth caller right now wins a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's in Clinton at 412-922-1020. And our number, easy access call us. You get on the air with Jessica, 866 391 1020
2: Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio.
3: And we'd like to welcome back to the program our Mrs. Know-It-All. She's Denise Schreiber, a fellow garden writer, horticulturist, and all-around garden goddess. Good morning, Denise. How are you? Good morning.
0: And I've got a story about uh, plant patents. And I want to talk a little bit, just very quickly, about illegal propagation. I was in a greenhouse... Earlier this summer uh, with a friend, none of our sponsors, um, this was the first time I'd ever been to this place, and you know, I was a grower for so many years, so I can recognize a lot of these plants that I know are vegetatively propagated, and these people were selling them without the tags, but they were the plants, and that's not right for the people that actually developed these plants. You know, They were selling them cheap, so yeah, people were like, oh yes, it's a great greenhouse, But they were doing it illegally, Mm -hmm. which is pretty sad. Yeah. So you're talking about the knockout rose. So I've been doing a series for Nursery Management Magazine called Women in Horticulture. And one of the women I featured is a mutual friend, uh, Angela Treadwell Palmer from Plants Nouveau. And Plants Nouveau actually is a company that works with breeders to make sure they get their plant patents and make sure they get paid for their royalties. But when Angela was working at Conard Powell, when she first started out out of college, she actually got to name the Knockout Rose.
3: That's pretty cool. Rob and I were just talking about that during the break. He said, well, how do they come up with the name Knockout Rose? And I said, well, they pay marketing people to come up with the best name. she
0: actually worked there. That was one of her first jobs out of college.
3: No kidding. And
0: they let her name it.
3: Well, it is a knockout plant. So, I mean, it was a very smart choice of a name for her. And it's just recognized now just everywhere across the country
0: yeah that's amazing know, yeah so you know there's backstories to everything but that was her first job out of college yeah
3: that is a really cool story thank you so much denise for sharing with that uh, that with us i mean hopefully i'll see angela again sometime soon and I'm, I'm like hey you're the one that named the knockout that's pretty cool all
1: right congratulations to doris of cheswick winner of that gift certificate from Janoski's. let's say hi to cindy and allison park hi cindy
0: good morning good morning jessica um, I have a question about my dogwood uh, tree. Um, in the spring, it started to get diseased, and I took it to a nursery. He said he used copper soap fungicide on it. It had, it needed treated, so we treated it. But now come here fall, all the leaves are like shriveling up, and they're diseased. Okay.
4: Um,
0: what do I treat it with now? Like, I think there might be a bug because you can see like holes in the leaves, but they're turning. It's shriveling up. Okay. I mean, it's the whole tree now, and I'm kind of concerned about
3: it. Sure, sure. Is this? Would um, you know what type of dogwood it is by chance?
4: Uh, no, but it's not okay. a cusa.
3: But it's what? Not a cusa. Okay, so it's a it, okay cornus florida. Like your standard dogwood. Our native dogwood. dogwood. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, there are a number of fungal diseases that can attack. Um, primarily, the one that we most worry about here in Western Pennsylvania is anthracnose. Um, it's it's a very common fungal pathogen especially on actually on a lot of different trees but especially on dogwoods and it can cause whole entire branch dieback uh, or it can just make the plant not look so good and not really cause any major damage to it so it it sort of can go one way or the other Um, with cultivated dogwoods though because they're not growing sort of where they have naturally established themselves it can be quite a destructive pathogen so if that's what you had I actually don't recommend the copper sprays because they can be very harmful to pollinators. Um, I usually recommend the products that are based on uh, Bacillus uh, subtilis, which is a naturally occurring bacteria that's fermented and the fungicide that I recommend that it's made on is one called Serenade and I'm sure if you're a long-time listener you've heard Doug and I talk about Serenade a lot. Serenade. No, yeah. <laughs> okay, well Serenade is also labeled for use on anthracnose on dogwoods. It would also work for powdery mildew, which is another pathogen that can affect dogwoods um, I would assume this late in the season though um, I wouldn't do any sprays because I would I would uh, right now if there's anything on there you're not going to stop it the natural leaf drop is going to occur soon anyway but I would if we have a really wet spring next year I would get a jump on it early in the season next year I don't think so, there's much to be done this year
0: so is serenade the name of the product or is that just yes.
3: Serenade is the brand name, one brand name, and the the active ingredient is Bacillus subtilis. But uh, then there's other brands, but Serenade is the one that's most commonly available.
1: Hey, thank you for the call. We only have like one minute left. So summarize. So what do you want to talk about?
3: Okay, well, planting, 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 planting. Head to the nursery. You want to plant trees and shrubs? Right now is the time of year to do it. But when you go there, take a look at the tag and see if it's something that holds a patent number on it. You'll see Pat... P-A-T you know period. i'm gonna do and that this week i'm gonna do that it's really cool to see and check out which ones are patented and then which ones are not it's really easy to well, see if you on think the about it, even
1: the gardening tools that you use somebody somewhere patents some oh, of yeah. the stuff
3: absolutely yeah absolutely i mean the a shovel isn't patented right but maybe one with um, spikes on the end or a bigger foot pad or something like that it might hold a patent uh, which keeps other people, obviously, from, from copying and that design. somebody's
1: got a patent on that rototiller thing. It's been around forever, too, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, we got to patent you, Rob. That's the thing.
1: <laughs> no, a patent no, no.
3: Rob Pratt, because there's only one and only, right?
1: <laughs> they broke that mold. They
3: did break it right away.
1: Listen, always a pleasure. <laughs> You're great at what you do. And again, keep reading everything that she writes in the Trib. Wait for more books to come out. And wherever she's speaking, go visit. And I think you'll definitely be pleasantly surprised. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Stay. No, thank you. Go ahead. Do your little. Uh,
3: re- <laughs> I was like, am I going to get to do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Remember the organic gardeners always aim to teach you how to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live.
1: <laughs> I forgot you were supposed to do that. I That's, you did. I saw
3: the look on your face.
1: I just, I'm mesmerized <laughs> by this patent thing.
3: It's, it's blown your mind. I'm going to go talk to Janowskis years.
1: about that. I never yeah. listen. Entrepreneurialism. I
3: don't, don't think we've talked about this before. It's probably too technical for Doug. So we don't we don't <laughs> we don't get into the super tech. No, I'm kidding.